0: Hello.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. I think it's a stock no. Dan, by the way. Caron. Caron?
0: Caron, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's fine. I'm not... Uh, you can you can call me Guy if you wish. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really open-minded. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't tempt me.
0: No. <laughs> but, um, I've
1: got a few questions I want to ask you today. Sure. The NDP race has been heating up quite a lot okay. in the last few weeks. Lots of uh, vigorous debate, mm-hmm. And I think you're at the center of some of that. Mm-hmm. So, one of the first questions I actually want to ask you is about us, a strong Canada. Yeah. We're a group of activists from different parties that came together, and that was in response to increasing political polarization. If you lead the NDP, what will you do to help depolarize our political discourse and fix this growing issue?
0: Yeah, Arnold's speech was very moving. and. There's there's some elements that people don't necessarily know about because they feel that we are just part of teams and we don't talk to each other. I got very good friends among liberals and conservatives. uh, And and there is some respect, not among everybody, but some respect among many members of different teams. There is a need to have partisan politics because different political parties bring different perspectives. We need to have that clash of ideas. But the extreme polarization is actually not positive. I think millennials, as we are moving along, are actually changing the face of politics and that aspect. Uh, if there's something I learned during this race, this uh, this leadership race, is the fact that millennials and new generation are not so much thinking about being parts of teams uh, the way that uh, that the previous generation did. It, there's, it, there's not that, that uh, emphasis on being part of the, the orange team or the red team or the blue team at all costs. I think they are attaching themselves to issues, to uh, concerns, but also to personalities. So I see a future, a very close future, where the next generation, the millennials, and even probably after, will be, I won't say shopping, but they'll be very open to moving from place to place to place, depending on how their concerns, how how those issues are being addressed, and we're seeing it, for example, in in what I'm present uh, presented as based my basic income model, which is something that is attracting a lot of millennials because it addresses up front the issue of economic insecurity and the precarious work that they are told they might be facing forever.
1: One of the things that we say all the time is ideas over ideologies, mm-hmm. and I think you're correct in saying that. Um, how do you think the NDP can appeal to all of those swing voters? I think millennials are key swing yeah. voters now. How do how do you appeal to that?
0: By having the, the ideas that they will find attractive. There are some ideas that, that we have pushed in the past, but we haven't really pushed it in a way that will be influencing the next generation. Take, for example, electoral reform. We've always been, as far as I remember, in favor of moving towards a system of mixed member proportional with with regional lists, for example, and Nathan Carlin has done amazing work in the committee on this. Liberals promised it and they have failed to deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, millennials who were a bit shocked at, uh, at being at being lied to, basically, uh, will be very hesitant before jumping on board with anyone who will promise that unless there is this very specific plan. So I think liberals in 2015 didn't so much run to the left of us as they made lots of promises that were very reminiscent or very very close to what we promised ourselves and then sometimes it just said one Two more things to get elected and that obviously raises the level of cynicism we see in politics We'll need to bring forth ideas that will connect directly with Millennials Not because we want them to join the NDP and as much as we want them to work for those ideas to become a reality That's how they will be joining our campaigns. That's how they will be joining uh, the effort that we'll be making to make the future world we will be living in, a better world for the next generation.
1: The second question I want to ask you is that the majority of Canadians are either entrepreneurs or employed by yeah. small business owners, why do the Conservatives have the market cornered on these voters? And actually to what? add a second mm-hmm. point to that, uh, how will you convince this large group of people that the NDP has their backs too?
0: Yeah. That's- a big part of a big reason why I wanted to be in this race. I'm an economist. I'm I'm really interested in economics on a progressive perspective. And yes, we're talking about small business. We're talking about job creation, but it seems always to be in passing as a consequence of other policies, such as social policies. Mm -hmm. We need to push back on liberals and conservatives who for so long have told people, the NDP doesn't know how to manage. The NDP is not interested in anything else but taxing and, and spending afterwards. Doing economics, creating a new economy, a new society with a progressive perspective is something that requires us to to push for a different vision of economics. And I'll give you one example. I pushed forward my, my own private member's bill, which directly was aiming at small businesses. It was aimed at small businesses, small farms or fishing operations, because when people want to sell to their kids, they're paying more taxes than if they're selling to strangers. I wanted to bring about a more level playing field. That's really what the NEP can do, to give itself the credibility to fight the conservatives and the liberals on that issue, mm-hmm. to tell the small entrepreneurs, to tell the self-employed workers that we're on our side, we're on our side, and we have the solutions that will make it easier for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Those are all resource-based businesses, but there yeah. are <laughs> a lot of people that aren't in those industries mm-hmm. that are feeling the same crunches yet have different problems? How would you talk to small businesses downtown Toronto or even in small towns that are in tech? Yep,
0: same thing as I mentioned, we we need to look at the concerns and what the challenges that they have are. Mm -hmm. And we need to build uh, a society and an economy that will be, in which they will be able to compete i give you the example, for example, when you want to transfer those businesses, you can't do it with a family and you're paying more taxes. It doesn't really help them. It doesn't really help those businesses to stay where they are and to be part of their community even after uh, their owner decides to move on to something else or to retire. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at, at our economy, uh, our small businesses can't compete really in this economy because it's geared toward big businesses. We don't have a competitive economy in as much as we have an economy that's Catered for the big players, because those big players make the economy an economy of cartels and an economy of monopolies. Mm-hmm. We need to ensure that we can stand against that system to help those who want to want to provide a better future for themselves, for the communities as well. When you're looking at international trade, for example, our small businesses can hardly compete internationally for many reasons. The first one is that the market is strangled by the big corporations. We get, all kinds of advantages and benefits from government. But it's also that because we are entering trade deals with countries that have much lower environmental rights, much lower labor rights, much lower human rights, they can actually sell in Canada for cheaper than our businesses. So we are at a disadvantage and we need to change that structure. Liberals are very comfortable with this structure and conservatives are. We need to demonstrate that we are ready to challenge the large economic power, the big corporations on that field to ensure a more level playing field for everyone, mm-hmm. including self-employed people, regardless of the industry in which they're working, or small businesses.
1: Let's move on to a fairly difficult question, mm-hmm. uh, the free speech thing. Yep. This, is a, this has been a big issue lately uh, in North America, across the globe, mm-hmm. uh, riots on university campuses, events getting canceled, Andrew Shear. Mm-hmm. The new conservative leader has said that he'll pull funding from universities that don't support free speech, whatever he means by that. And everyone's generally in a pretty big uproar on all sides about Mm -hmm. this. What's going on? And uh, if you become the leader, how do you approach this issue?
0: Well, free speech is fundamental. I think think what you need to do with this is to recognize that we already have a legislation, I mean, we have the freedom of expression, yes, but that freedom is constrained. There are things that you can't do. You can't promote hate, for example. Mm-hmm. And basically, we have a legal system in which you know where you have to go. If you wanted to reduce that freedom of expression furthermore, I think it will be a problem for democracy. So you challenge ideas with other ideas. If you don't agree with what's being done, you can protest, you can. You have varieties of countering measures. to oppose speech that you find disagreeable, but I don't think preventing or or forbidding someone to speak unless it breaks the law, such as hateful speech, for example, is something that uh, would provide us for a better future. We need a clash of ideas, Mm -hmm. and ideas that we don't like, we can always oppose by bringing forth ideas we like and challenging those ideas. Mm
1: -hmm. So I I guess the counter argument to that that a lot of people have is if you suppress those uh, hateful ideas, they go underground. and then. They keep boiling up, and people keep banding together. And then when they get released again, Mm -hmm. there's a much more powerful force at play. So how do you combat that?
0: Well, you combat ignorance by knowledge, and you combat hate by love, basically. So you're able to demonstrate that the elements that are being thrown forth makes no sense. Mm -hmm. If you are preventing those ideas to be forth, if those ideas are actually hateful speech, there is a re- reason why we prevent hateful speech. Hateful speech is actually brings to um, to um, to be. It's been demonstrated that it, it's actually um, trying to find the right word here because it's, this is a very sensitive topic. It is, but we have to make sure that the law itself is well designed to prevent the ideas that will push people to move from just mere speech to actions, mm-hmm. which hate speech very often does, will be prevented. And that's been debated in the House of Parliament. And in that sense, it makes sense. If ideas are not necessarily hateful, but are simply disagreeable or outside of of what could be accepted in a society without being against the law, you need to challenge them and you need to develop your, your thinking about it. To go and say, we will cancel funding of an organization because they are saying this or that, if it's not illegal, to me, is preventing free speech. To me, is preventing the clash of ideas. If you are limiting freedom of expression, it has to be on very solid grounds. It has to be for very solid reasons. Otherwise, having those ideas that you don't agree with is something that will promote or that will help you develop the critical thinking that you need and the clearness of mind that will be needed to contract on those ideas.
1: So Guy, uh, do you think that institutions that don't support the Charter of Rights and Freedom of Expression, you think they should be penalized?
0: Well, the government, federal government has very little to do in terms of universities, it's provincial governments that can apply those responsibilities because universities are provincial jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I do believe that universities are the ground where ideas get debated. We want universities to be the place where we, we can open minds, where we can open the ability of critically challenging ideas. If ideas in universities that are being debated break the law, then they break the law and we actually act upon that. If those ideas are not illegal, they should be debated. They should be, when it is ideas that, in my sense, are not really helpful to society, they should be defeated by even stronger speech. So I think governments have to get involved, but provincial governments in this case, when freedom of expression is not being respected, if freedom of religion is not being respected, and, and if any freedoms basically are curtailed by any actions within university or college or institutions for that matter.
1: In as much as they are within the limits of the law as well. So uh, you support basic income? Yes. Yet yeah, you've been criticized by your own party. Uh, by certain elements of your party for mm-hmm. supporting basic income. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say to the people that decry it for being a right-leading mechanism?
0: Well, the poll that was done by Main Street Research on the idea of basic income showed that over, I think it was close to 80% of NDPers are in favor of basic income. Mm-hmm. So it's a debate we should be having and we should be moving in that direction. And there are some debate that we should be having and there are some criticisms that I can I can actually debate with. But if we're looking at one thing we can do at the federal level, easily, in the first term, it's basic income because it only requires a budget to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm all in favor of eliminating tuition fees or investing in healthcare, and I want to do that. Those are our priorities, something that we always fought for. Those are also provincial jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. So every time that we want to, say, eliminate tuition fees or implement a dental program or free dental services, or we want to implement pharmacare or anything else. We need to sit down with provinces we've seen through the last negotiations by the liberals that it's never easy to sit down with provinces and get a broad agreement so if we want to eliminate poverty if we want to face the challenges that we'll have in the future such as automation of the industry or the economy or even the transition towards renewables we'll need to create some tools at the federal level and if you are able to implement a unconditional basic income ensuring that no one will be under The poverty level, that is the low-income cutoff, will all be the better for it. Mm -hmm. I'm not pushing for a universal model. I'm pushing for a model that, in the end, will eliminate poverty. And I do think this is, when we're talking about the type of vision that millennials could get behind, this is one. Because it provides more choice, more freedom of choice for people. You want to go back to school? The choice might be very difficult right now if you have a crappy job at minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Because you leave your job to go back to school, to get into more debt, and so on and so on. With Basic Income, the choice gets easier. You don't want to get that crappy minimum wage. Basic Income gives you the ability of waiting for a better fit.
1: You do support a basic income uh, along the low income cutoff, mm-hmm. which is about 70% Canadians, I believe it is, right?
0: Low income cutoff is basically varies for a single individual between 18,000 and 25 right now. And it's measured as to the level of income that you need to provide for your food, your shelter, and your clothing. It varies depending on the size of the community, acknowledging that the cost of living in Toronto is higher than the cost of living in a smaller city like Perth, for example.
1: Mm-hmm. So why is that better than a universal basic income?
0: I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but the model I'm proposing to eliminate poverty, to ensure that no one is under the level of poverty, will cost between 30 and $35 billion. Mm-hmm. I have a tax reform plan that will help to pay for that. If we are looking at the universal model, even taking into account that you will eventually need to slash and eliminate all social programs geared at poverty, mm-hmm. all tax credits, uh, if you take into account the clawback and the extra taxation you'll get from it, all of that, and you're putting all that money into basic income, it will still cost over $175 billion. Mm-hmm. We have a $290 billion budget right now, meaning that we'll need to increase taxes by 60% on everything. I don't think we can sell a program like this, but having a program at 30, 35 billion where we can say, we can, as a social project, eliminate poverty, is something we can solve.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So how do you attract the swing voters that are so key to uh, victory?
0: Those swing voters have been attracted by the speech liberals give them in 2015. And it was a very attractive speech, basically. But in the end, they raised the bar so high, they never even were close to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some ideas that will be attracting millennials, the new generation, by really addressing their concerns, their fears, and their hopes as well. Mm-hmm. When I'm bringing basic income, for example, it's to address the issue of economic insecurity and to give them more choice in the face of precarious work in a future where we might have less jobs than people willing and ready to take them. We need to demonstrate that vision that they will embrace, knowing that millennials are no longer interested in just being part of teams and blindly follow what the team is pushing for. They are interested in issues. They are interested in vision. They are interested in personalities. So we need to provide them with what they're looking for. And I do believe that the NDP is in a position to do it, especially after they've been so disappointed with liberals.
1: Mm -hmm. Guy, thank you.
0: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Cheers one last time. Yep.
0: (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.